The professor, Grayson, what's good, man? Hey, hey, what's happening, man? How you doing? All is good, man. All is good, man. I'm healthy. Yep. Just trying to grind, man. Thanks for having yeah. me on. Yeah, thanks for being here, man. Um, how's life? Um, it's good, man. It's good. You know what I mean? I think, you know, obviously at this time we were all affected by the whole COVID thing and, uh, that curved a lot of our lives in, in different ways. But I feel like, uh, for me, it's been in a good place lately. You know what I mean? I'm looking forward to hopefully, uh, the vaccines normalizing things a little bit moving forward to make things great. But, um, but it's all good. You know what I mean? No complaints. That's good to hear, man. I'm happy to hear that funny story. Uh, before we get started, I want to tell you. So when I was growing up, I was a huge and one fan. So like, you know, when that was all really going on, I was in elementary school, I'm 27. So this was, you know, I'm not sure when and one started, what year it started, but, um, you know, me and my friends were huge fans of and one growing up, you and hot sauce were my top two guys that I, you know, used to watch. And I watched the highlight tapes and try to imitate you guys. And you guys actually came to town, um, in Kansas city and me and my best friend that used to be big fans of you were, we we're going to go for his birthday party. And I didn't get to go because my family went out of town. So till this day, man, I'm torn up about it. Never got to see you live. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Wow. Thank you for supporting. But yeah, you're right. We went to Kansas City like my first year when I was trying out, 2003. I think we went every year through 2005, I believe. Yep. It was definitely one of those years. It was either, you know, 2003 to 2005. That sounds about right, man. But yeah, thank you so much for coming on Full Circle. I never got to see you play, but now you're on the Man Cave podcast. We're going to have Go. a conversation here, so I'm super stoked about it, man. Um, so you you do a lot of traveling, and um, you know, you're the global hooper. So what has it been like for you um, in the last year with the pandemic going on? How have you adjusted and... Um, how have you just been, you know, feeling about everything? Has there been, uh, you know, anything that you've enjoyed about kind of getting to, you know, stay put for, for the last year? Or are you kind of going going crazy trying to get back out there? Well, it, it was sort of uh, interesting timing for me because I actually tore my Achilles two years ago. Wow. Okay. So a lot of people don't. Yeah. So I didn't release like the little docuseries that showed my whole injury, surgery and recovery until probably about six months ago or something like that. But people probably don't know. That was actually two years ago. Okay. And that had me staying put regardless. So by the time COVID came around, I still wasn't even able to play basketball. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So it took me 18 months to recover. And I believe I started playing last year about late summer. Okay. So I've only been playing for six, seven months. So I would have been staying put almost regardless, you know what I mean? And then now that I've been healthy and kind of like ready to get back and travel, that's only been about two or three months. Cause though I started playing, you know, six, seven, eight months ago, I wasn't like a hundred percent. I feel good. Like going to a different country and putting on a show for a bunch of people. So now just now, you know, last few months, I feel really good about that and get back and traveling. And we could, obviously we could travel a little bit, not like, not like we want right, to, but, uh, right. but it's all good. It was interesting timing. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, through most of the first part of the pandemic. Couldn't it have happened at a better time? It sounds like if it's going to yeah. happen, you know, I mean, there's never a good time for COVID to happen, but it's the same thing yeah. with me right in the beginning of COVID. I uh, broke my arm really bad. So it, uh, yeah. So I broke my elbow and my humerus bone in like 30 different uh, places, just messed myself up real bad. So I haven't been able to play basketball in a year. So that's been tough on me. 
But um, was that playing ball? No, was dude, for- I was on a hydraulic pogo stick. Whoa! Oh, it was dangerous, bro. Pogo. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, have you seen the videos of people on pogo sticks that you can jump like ten feet and do like backflips on and stuff? Have you seen those? I think I have. Wow. Stay away. Stay away from those. My first yeah, time I mean, ever on one, I was like, yeah, this is, I knew it was dangerous right away too, but I didn't think I would mess myself <laughs> up like that. But uh, how did you tear, how did no, you, like, uh, <laughs> sorry, what were you going to say? It's like, it's like scooter. Like I don't do anything extreme no, now. You know what I mean? The birds or anything. You can't even get me on a razor scooter, like not even a chance. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like those all those sticks are the old school version of like razor scooters. Right? No, dude, it's for real. After you have an injury and you have to go through it and all the physical therapy and everything, like you're, I mean, for me at least, right away, I'm already like so much more cautious about everything that I do. It's not worth it. You know no, what I mean? Not at all. Every time. So, how yeah. did you tear uh, tear your Achilles? I'm assuming it was you know playing basketball. Yeah, playing ball. I was in Miami uh, March of 2019, and we were just shooting a video. You know, it was like some some beach court, and uh, I played for too long. Though I played for like two and a half hours. You know, when you're in your 30s, you're supposed to play for like an hour, hour and a half. I mean, two at the longest. Mm-hmm. We're going on like two and a half, three hours, and I did this weird movement that I don't normally do. It's hard to explain, but I put all the weight on my right toe in the center of my body and tried to push off, which is weird because when normally we push off, you kind of go back into the, to the side, you know what I mean? Right. Push to go. So I did this weird movement. And as soon as I pushed my, my heel just went down because my Achilles snapped and I fell and I didn't even know what had happened. I got, I didn't actually know my Achilles was torn until like later that night at the ER, they were like, we think it's torn, but we're not sure. So you Um, didn't know right away. You weren't like, or did you know that you hurt yourself really bad and you just didn't know what it was or. I knew there was an injury, but I didn't know what, because cause, cause it swole up, you know, kind of like a sprained ankle or something, like right. swole all the way up. I knew there was some sort of an injury because I couldn't just like walk away with no pain. But at the same time, we went to the ER. They were like, we think it's a tear, but we're not sure. So you, you never know. You always hope for the best. But what had happened was they were like, we suggest you fly to L.A. because you want to get your surgery where you live. We don't suggest you get your surgery out here. You're going to have to be out here you know, months and months. Yeah. So I had to fly to L.A., elevated my foot. Uh... There was no first class available. There was no first class available for like three days, but I had to get going. So I sat in the front, the very front of the plane, like row one. And they're like, oh, there's plenty of leg room. I get on there. There's no leg room. The wall. Oh, no. I had to put put my leg in the boot just up against the wall for the whole flight. And then when I got back to L.A., they took a closer look at it. And they said it was a tear. The thing was. I tore my Achilles, but still hanging on by a couple strands. That's why. That's why the test didn't fully work. If it's completely torn, they lay you on your stomach and your feet hang off the table, and they squeeze your calf, and your foot's supposed to come up with the Achilles. But mine, mine came up like a little bit, but not. Oh, with dude, that's painful just to hear. Yeah, so they figured it out, and I was bummed. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's, that's Achilles is painful right when it happens, but it's not like a long-term painful thing. It's a painful right when it happens and. The recovery is painful, but yeah. not was, like you might think. I was going to ask you, what's the recovery been like, and do they expect you to make a full recovery? So I made a full recovery. Nice. That's uh, great. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got all my quickness back. Same thing. Didn't miss a step, but it took 18 months. It literally took 18 months, and 
I'm still, my body's still not quite balanced. Like if I play ball, I can't tell, you know, if I'm physical activity, but if I do like lifts and like training stuff, I do like toe raises with a lot of weight, my good foot's going to come up way higher than that bad foot. Like I'm still, okay. I'm still like a little bit out of balance. Okay. Yeah. Did you have to do a lot of physical therapy? How often? The thing is, if you want to play at a high level with the Achilles, you have to do a therapy for life. Wow. So I do it twice a week. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, just that's tough, man. That's a lot. It takes a big chunk out of your day. I mean, I've been doing it for a year, going three times a week and, you know, driving 20 minutes there, being there for an hour, driving 20 minutes back. That's like, you know, it takes a, a lot of time out of your, your work week to go out and do that physical therapy, man. It's tough. It's funny you even say that. That's my exact thing. I actually go 23 minutes to the spot. I'm there for like an hour or two and then 23 minutes back. You're right. It's half your day though. It's, yeah. and, and you're too tired to do anything else to be honest. Seriously. Yeah. Me, I have to, I have to go at what seven in the morning. So I got to get up at six and then it just puts a dent in the whole day, man. But, um, yep. I just got news that I don't have to go to physical therapy anymore. They're like, you've been doing this for a year. You can start doing it at home. So I'm stoked about that, but I've only, yeah. I've only made about, I would say 65, 70% recovery. Um, and I'll probably, if I'm lucky, you know, get up to 80, maybe 90, but yeah, I got, I had to have two surgeries. So I have, after the first surgery was complete, I only had 50% mobility in my arm. Um, oh, wow. and so I did a second one and now I'm up to about 65. So, uh, it's, it's a, it's like a two year recovery though. So it's, it's a, it's a process. Dude, sorry to hear that, man. We'll definitely pray for the best. Thank man. you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's good though. It's it's made me uh, change my perspective on a lot of things. I'm a lot more grateful for my body, for just everyday yeah. life. Um, uh, I think I'm a lot, you know, more cautious about like the stupid stuff that I've been doing forever. It finally caught up to me. So, you know, I think it, it's a blessing in disguise, and it's really, you know, the only way to look at it when something like that happens. You know, you can't change it. You can only have the best perspective possible. So. Gosh, yeah, no, dude, totally. People don't even know, like, just to walk is a blessing, man. Yeah. Just to be happy enough to walk, not have to wear a, a freaking sling, like, you know what I mean? Little things, man. It's magnified when you get injured. Absolutely, man. So you've traveled all over the world uh, with basketball. What are some of your favorite places that you've been? Uh, favorite places got to be, well, I love the like Caribbean islands. Uh, I like Central America, like Costa Rica was really dope. I thought that uh, Australia was pretty cool. I like Dubai. Uh, I want to go to Dubai. South of France. The south of France, like Monaco and Nice. Yep. Is really I've been there beautiful. before. That's beautiful. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there. And then uh, what, what else? Uh, Brazil. I thought Brazil was pretty cool. Um, Anywhere yeah. you haven't been that you want to go? Um, I would actually like to go to... Uh, uh, more places probably in Africa. I like, like to go to Egypt actually, okay. but that's more like AK, less of a go play ball type right, thing. Right. Right. No, definitely, man. So tell me about um. You know, I, I know pretty much everything about you from and one up to this point, but I want to know what your life was like before and one. Oh, okay. So before and one, um. Well, right before and one. I was actually working at a grocery store and I was, I walked on to a junior college, like community college team wow. and I played like three minutes a game. I walked on, I didn't get a scholarship. Before that, I got cut from like three different community colleges. I went and tried out and they're like, no, nah, we don't think you can fit the bill here. So it was funny because my dad had politics with the local head coach of the community college. And he, he uh, my dad owned a jewelry store. So the dude was buying some like jewelry for my dad. And he kind of like convinced him that like, 
he should give me a trial because like I love the game. He's like, my son's good. Ooh. So the coach is nice enough to actually give me a trial. Wow. And that's rare. He saw that I had talent, but I was like mad small, you know, like I always look like I'm like 10 years younger than I am. So when I was 18, I looked like I was for 12 years old. So he saw I had talent, but he didn't believe, you know, a lot of them were scared that I couldn't guard anybody. So he let me redshirt. But then next thing you know, a bunch of people got injured. So he threw me in the lineup, but like I barely played. So after my freshman year, I improved like 300%. And I was always a fan of N1. So they were touring. They came to Portland, Oregon, my, you know, my home state. So I drove up there really just to watch the game as a fan. But then they're having trials. So I'm like, yo, let's get For it. For N1, they're having tryouts? That's how I got on N1. Just wow. through open the reality show on ESPN was actually about the, the the whole trial process and like a whole like survivor series on finding like one new guy to sign a contract. Yeah. That's crazy. So you just went up there wanting to watch them and next thing you know, they offer you a contract. Like what, how did that happen? Uh, so, so I went up there as a fan. Then I see they had these open trials. And so I was like, let's get it. Nothing to lose. So I started doing my thing. The crowd started going crazy just over like different moves and stuff I was doing. And then uh, I got voted to go in and play against Team Man One that night. And so next thing I know, I'm going against my idols, you know, Hot Sauce, AO, uh, Ali Ma, all these dudes. And um, I got the crowd to stand up a few times. Like Hot Sauce and I went back and forth. And, you know, those things are like an all-star game. You only play like 10 minutes a game, 10, right. 15 minutes. So when I was in, I scored like six, six points, like three buckets. The crowd went crazy, all this stuff, a couple no-look passes. And then they asked me, I, out of the three guys that got picked to play in the game, they said, we picked you uh, the be as the best. Would you want to go on tour and be in this contest? And I'm what like, the hell? That just happened yeah. quick. Yeah. And I'm like, sure, cool. And then it was funny because a couple weeks into the, the tour, the ESPN show kind of like started airing. And it was always like, it was a couple weeks behind where we were actually at in real time. Like they edited that joint fast, right? Especially for a mainstream show. And so... By the time it went up, I'm hoping that I get some screen time. Maybe I can like press pause and see myself, you know what I mean, on ESPN. Sure enough, the tryout process is the that's the main feature of the show. So I was like starring on the show. And I didn't even they didn't even tell me that. You know what I'm saying? No way. I was like star of the show. Well, lo and behold, I was just hoping I could pause it to get a little airtime. And so we go throughout this whole trial process throughout the summer, and then by like August. We come down to the last game. I end up winning a contract, and I didn't even think I could win. I was just happy to be there for like one game. You know what I mean? That's crazy, man. That that life comes at you fast. Holy cow! Yeah, that's yeah. insane. So, would you say that like uh, your style of play and did you play in, in high school? I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah, I played uh, every level, high school okay. and stuff. But I didn't play varsity until I was a senior. I was wow. in I was the same way. I was the same way. So, would you say that your style of play during high school and college is totally different than how you play uh, on and one and in the streets, or uh, you know, when you played at those at those levels like high school and college? They expect you to play a lot more fundamentally. Would you say that you? you did play fundamentally or have you changed the style of your play since going on to and one? Oh, that's a good question. So I changed a few different times. So in high school, I always had like the tricks, you know, I was still an and one fan. So like I, you're liable to see me in a high school game, like doing crossovers. Like it was more uh, dumbed down when I was in high school. I like watch Allen Iverson was one of my main heroes. So I was Same, playing dude. real basketball fundamentally, but I'll give you like Tim Hardaway crossovers, Allen Iverson crossovers, no look passes every once in a while. You know what I mean? And sprinkle it in there. Right. Then when I got on the M1, I realized that like back in that era, 
a three-pointer, like if I made a three-pointer in my N1 game back in the day, it's crickets. No, nobody was excited about that. You know what I mean? Like today uh-huh. they look a three-pointer, right? But like back then, nobody cared about no three-pointer. If you weren't like shaking somebody up or driving the lane and yep. throwing an alley. Crossovers dunk. and dunks, that's it. Or half-court shots. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't even worth people's times if it wasn't that. So so I realized I had to turn up the sauce a little bit. So I, I became a little bit more flashy on N1. But I actually changed my game a lot uh, through the YouTube era, you know, like 2012, 2013, I started to have some viral content and I started to see that if I played ultra showtime, it was just, it just made for a better video. You know, if, you, if I could play a dude to 11 and seven of those possessions are, you know, <laughs> shake moves or I embarrass them by the time that video comes, like that's going to be a lit video. You know what I mean? So yeah. I became more, I'm way more showtime and I switched up my whole style of play too. just different things I learned. I've worked out with some NBA trainers. I changed my shot. I saw certain moves work. When I focused more on the moves with the digital era, I saw what worked. And like now, if you watch my N1 style flavors today, it's two totally different players. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out and compare the two. How, how would you say you got so good? I mean, what you're most known for is, is your ball handling skills. How, how would you say that you honed those skills? Uh, just spending so much time playing the game. You know, a lot of people... They, they know that if you have to be good, you have to just like practice a lot. You know what I mean? But that looks different for so many people. Like I practice so much that some parents, ask, they ask, parents ask me all the time, like, how, how does my son uh, get as good as you are? You know, how many times a week should we be practicing? And, <laughs> times a week. Yeah. And the truth <laughs> is, what I tell them is when I was young, my parents were trying to figure out how to make me practice less yep. because I was spending too much time playing ball and not doing anything else. So I think if you want to talk about playing college or pro, you, that's the level you need to be aiming for. It's like you practice too damn much. You know it's what I'm saying? It's got to be so, an obsession. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so for me, it was like that. And I never I, – I had, I had a great trainer, like starting in fifth grade. A personal trainer taught me the Iverson crossover in and out. This dude was really ahead of his time. Uh, shout out to Rodney Howard. But um, just, just – uh, imagining myself in a game and working on like if I want to learn a move I just do it like thousands of times in one practice session you know what yeah. I mean but I was never really a a drill guy I'm not a put out the cones and do the drills I would just put myself in a game situation and just work on stuff with repetition that's funny you say that's what I used to do like for me basketball was my life forever I used to I would probably be in the driveway on average if you took seven days out of the week I'd probably be in the driveway you know, four hours a day, just shooting hoops. And I would do the same thing. I'd pre I would use my imagination pretending that I was in the game. You know, I was doing these crossovers and drills and, you know, my big thing was like, I'd always play this game where I'm like, all right, it's, it's a buzz buzzer beater. I'd just pretend like I'm shooting the winning shot in a game. And, you know, I think that's, that's really important. And you don't really see as many kids outside, you know, playing, whether it be basketball or football or anything, you know, they're all, they're all trying to be YouTubers or playing video games. So, you know, I would like to see more people outside, but yeah, back to what you said, I think it's, it's almost got to be an obsession. Um, and it's got to be something that you do repetitively day in and day out in, in order to get to, you know, that next level. So any kids out there listening that this is what it takes, this is what it takes. So, um, one question that that I have for you is, um, you made a uh, appearance in the movie semi semi pro. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. How, how was it working on a Hollywood production? It was awesome. Uh, I came to LA initially. I actually had a lead role in an in an independent movie, so I had a lead role in a basketball movie. And while I was down here taking acting lessons for that, 
they were having open tryouts for semi-pro. And I, I thought it was actually just like a basketball movie. I didn't know how spoofy it was going to be. At the time, we didn't know it could have been like a real b-ball movie sprinkled in some comedy. You know, we didn't know it was the all-out, like, spoofy as we know now, right? Uh-huh. <clears throat> so I go and try out for it. It was probably a few thousand people at the tryouts, and they kind of ran us through just like like they would like a combine or like an open trial, like drills and stuff. And I think they were really kind of going for the looks that they liked. I think me being on and one really helped me seal the deal. I even had a manager at the time who knew the talent scouts who were like heading that thing up or whatever. And so uh, I think that kind of helped me get in the door because I didn't traditionally look like the ABA, you know, NBA player of the 70s uh-huh. or whatever. Uh, but it was really cool, you know, first day, first day. So I, so I got chose from the open casting and then like the first day, everybody from the actual cast gets together. We did like a little b-ball workout just to kind of like get, you know, get the blood pump, get the legs moving or whatever. Will Farrell was there, Woody Harrelson and Will Farrell came up to me and he's like, Hey, he's like, are you the professor? And I was like, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm tripping out. Cause you know, you, you forget you got a show on ESPN and you forget how many eyes that was, especially back in the day. You know, I don't know if, if those episodes were YouTube videos and they showed a view count, who knows what that would have looked like. Right. You know what I mean? But, uh, but yeah, so it was a trip. And then, you know, Woody Harrelson was cool. Andre 3000 was cool. It was a good time. Yeah. I, I can only imagine what it was like, uh, being on set with Will Ferrell, man. That must've been a trip. It was, it was a super trip. And the funny thing is like, he, like he's real, like down to earth and then, and he's real, like he's funny, but not like over the top. He doesn't like force it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really down to earth, like I would even be on the set. Uh, he, I remember one time I walked by his, he was getting his makeup done. He was like, you know, 50, hundred feet away. And I was just walking by and he was like, Hey Grayson, how's it going? Like, wow. Just that's cool. cool man. That's you, you know cool. what I mean? Yeah. Like, like cool guy. And, and honestly, I was in a young frame of mind. I was, I was like, Hey, and I kept it moving. I probably could have chopped it up more. Like he was like, cool dude. You know what I mean? I was, I was in kid mode, but. <laughs> you know you get yeah. a young 20s like i was just you know probably taking things a little bit more for granted back then but yeah it man was good. I, it's funny you say the whole view count thing like uh, you know with espn like what those numbers would have looked like uh because for me like my so if you go to my channel my most popular video you know is i don't i can't even remember what it is blind man dropping money and when when people oh, think of, yeah it's like 75 million views but when people think Ooh. of me they think of fake clay thompson so um, oh. yeah so on ESPN and, yeah so on my youtube channel uh the fake clay thompson video has i mean i say only 20 million views but <laughs> you would think it had way more cuz whenever i go out in public you know say i go out in public for a day and say i get recognized you know 100 times mm-hmm. at least 50 to 60 of those people are like oh it's fake clay so yeah. you'd think that'd be my most popular video. So, I mean, you know, 20 million views on YouTube, another 20 million on Facebook, but they were running that on ESPN for, for weeks. I mean, I'm still on ESPN all the time. And yeah. I'm like, dude, I can only imagine how many views this actually got. It's got to be like a billion views or something. That's why the difference, the difference between an influencer and a mainstream star is, is a landslide because with those mainstream outlets, that's what like, 90% of the people actually pay attention to the most. So if you're like a mainstream star, like your level of viewership is way more because you got like these outlets that get millions of views and they're all pushing you or pushing that one story. And it's true too. Cause like I've seen a lot of your videos, 
But like what's ingrained in my head, because I've seen the blind one too, but like what's ingrained in my head would be the Clay Thompson. Like when I think of your channel, I think of like when you're out of college, you're acting like Clay Thompson, like, you know, playing or whatever. And then I also think like that ESPN, you know, you sit behind the bench. Yep, exactly. Yeah, it, it is nuts. I think the view counts on those back in the day, not ESPN now, but back in the day, like an ESPN show, who knows? I think each one of those episodes could have got millions of views, whatever it was. Yeah, I'm you know? sure. At least, at the very least. So when did you when did you dive into YouTube and start up your YouTube career? Because right now you're 5.5 million subscribers. You're killing it. How long have you been in the game on on, uh, on YouTube? Um, I got in 2009. Uh, oh, dang. So that's yeah. that's early. Yeah, no, I was early. And one, and, you know, our last year was 08. And okay. the company had got bought out new ownership and you know how it is, new companies get bought out, they're ran completely different. So these people came in and they didn't want to put Streetball to the forefront. And I think they didn't really know that the company, they, they might have known it was built off Streetball, but they wanted to rebrand and go more traditional with NBA players and stuff. And so overnight, we didn't have a job. You know what wow. I mean? We didn't get all, no renewed contracts. So how long were you with And One total? Say it again? How long were you with And One? Was it five, six years? It was 2003 to 2008 where I had like an endorsement deal where on ESPN. Okay, gotcha. And the next couple of years, I played in like one-off games overseas because Amazon's in 40 countries and they like license those out. So a lot of times I do a deal directly with the overseas people like, hey, come play three and one games, you know, in Brazil, okay. Africa and one or whatever. So, so I did that for a couple of years up until 2010, but then that's when it was kind of like all over. So I started YouTube in 2009 because – even in 06, 07, when I would see people on the street, a lot of people would be like, yo, I love your work. And I'd be like, oh, thanks for checking out the show. appreciate you. And they'd be like, no, I saw your stuff on YouTube. And I was like, oh, okay. So I looked into YouTube because people were saying that in Europe and Australia and these other places. I'm like, dang, YouTube is like a free TV channel. You know what I mean? I'm like, it's a trick. So I actually had my, my homie try to flood YouTube when it was really young and there weren't that many videos on there. I tried to because I saw people would make fan mixes of me. They ripped my highlights off ESPN. They throw it on YouTube and they were going crazy. <laughs> so I was like, I had my homie try to flood YouTube with a few more fan mixes and they all would get millions of views. And I was in hopes that that would get more bookings aside from my tour dates. So it was really about that. And then when everything ended, AdSense came out, I think, 08 or 09. So I started my own channel. Those same fan videos I had, we deleted them, put them, put them on the own channel and then kind of like started from there. Um, but I didn't really become a YouTuber YouTuber until like my touring days kind of calmed down, you know, 2013, 2014. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy, man. So how would you say that you feel about like, if you were to compare the, the, and one days versus the YouTube days, what, I mean, if you were to wake up tomorrow and someone said you have to be on and one for the next five years only, or do YouTube only for the next five years, which would you do? YouTube. I would really? actually do I think Anwan was great times, but there's nothing like being your own boss, you know, being more CEO. I make way more money nowadays, you know, than on Anwan. Um, I think Anwan was more global and it got out to more of the casual fans, but I think my fan base is actually just as big nowadays, but I think uh, it's different people, you know what I mean? It's, it's less, it's more enthusiast people that like less just like casual fan who kind of likes basketball a little bit. Yeah. So, and less, you can so kind of less mainstream, right? And one yeah. was mainstream. Um, so, but I, I ain't even tripping. I like it now. I think I like being in control of it. I like the creativity behind it. You know, when you sign with an entity, you sign an endorsement deal, they do all your marketing, they figure out everything. 
they consult with you a little bit, but not much. You know what I mean? And then, you know, you're on their schedule. You know, sometimes we would do tours. We would tour eight months out of the year sometimes. Crazy. So now it's kind of like I can dictate when it happens, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. And then you can also leverage, you know, your, the interesting thing about YouTube is you're in full control of your own audience. So you can leverage them, you know, to, to your merch. I see that you're wearing, uh, is that your own merch right there that says global on it? Yes, sir. Who do you Thanks. do your merch through? That looks super clean. I got to send you this, bro. Um, yeah. We manufacture directly, actually. It's not even, a, it's actually a real brand. It's actually a brand. We, we manufacture in uh, China and Pakistan. My goal is to, to hopefully, I know a lot, I haven't heard of an influencer doing this, but like when I'm done playing, like this can live past me and be an actual brand. That's my goal. Yeah, that's smart because it's not directly attached. Like it's not the professor or Grayson, like for me, like I'm trying to build brands the same way. Like I don't want it to be big DOS because I want it to be something that people can wear if they don't know me. So that's kind of, it sounds like what you're, what you're trying to do there. Um, yes. how, how did you go about getting connections in Pakistan and China? Did you do like Alibaba or how did you get in, uh, into contact with like the manufacturers? Cause that's something that I've had the hardest time doing. Yeah. it's not easy. Um, when we started off, by ones that we had just got through relationship. I don't know how. And then we started going to the magic show in Vegas. Okay. And then you know you can find a lot of manufacturers there. The cool thing about going to magic show in Vegas, Vegas, that's still my favorite one because their work is on display. You know what I mean? They bring a whole bunch of samples. So you can really see what kind of quality they can turn out. And then you can bring them a piece that you want to make and be like, can you make this? You know what I mean? So it's, it's much more hands-on. I really like that. They think they host that like two times a year, Magic Show. The Magic Show, is that just a big trade show for um, for companies that do like clothing type products or? Yeah, there'll be hundreds of manufacturers from China and all over the world Okay, uh, in one convention center you know, or a few different convention centers right next to each other and you can literally just go see what's up. There's It's twofold though. They have the manufacturing side and then they have the side for buyers. You know what I mean? Like, like every brand, you know, every brand will have these big old displays and, and like the buyers can go up and see what they want to buy for the next season or whatever. So the manufacturing side is a sleeper though. It's a lot less popular. Okay. So. Yeah. Cause that looks nice. You got the patches. It looks like what you got, you got all kinds of logos on there. That's, that looks yeah. really clean, man. I like that. Where, where can people find it? Uh, globalhooper.com, man. And actually right now, if you're listening, we're giving away a Ben's uh, April 10th. We're giving them away for free. All you got to do is buy an item on globalhooper.com. Uh, the more you buy, the more entries you get in the drawing. And on April 10th, I'm going to draw it live on my YouTube channel. Somebody will get Crazy, that. man. That's crazy. <laughs> and then, yeah, back to like leveraging. I, just, I know uh, you did a, a program. We both know Jack, Jack Cassio. So yeah. you did a, a, a ball handling program with him, which I think did pretty well. So that that's the cool thing about like uh, – you know, YouTube is just like, you can build so many other businesses off of what you're already doing. That's, that's one of the things that I love about it the most. So, um, what you, you've played at thousands of courts across, you know, the entire world. If you had to say, you know, maybe your top favorite, you know, three to five courts that you could play at tomorrow, where would they be? Oh man. Top favorite three to five courts. Uh, I would say, the Laguna Beach courts. There's two half courts in Laguna Beach that are like right on the water. I've had a, I've had good success. Every time I go there, we have a banger video. I've probably done like literally 50 million views. This one place. So I'm gonna say the Laguna courts is number one. I would say, um, gosh, any court in Harlem is always dope because the people in New York just get street ball. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So, 
Absolutely. So yeah, there's a lot of dope courts in New York that I would say I really love. And then I, you know, like Venice beat, you can't beat Venice. You know what I mean? Like Venice, Venice doesn't really have like crowd energy or go crazy, but sometimes when I play there, like uh, we'll get like a big gathering or whatever. And that can be cool. Those are just the three I can think of off the top of my head. I'm trying to think of, there was like this roof co- top court that they named after me in a, uh, in freaking uh, China. No way. Shanghai at one point, but they tore the building down. I was so bummed out. <laughs> <laughs> That's I would have been on my list, but um, yeah, those are a few that come to mind. Nice, man. Yeah. For me, I've done uh, really just, you know, I've made only a couple basketball videos, but I the one that I did do at Venice Beach killed it. I dressed up as, you know, the classic dressing up as a nerd and balling video. Um, are you serious? You did that? Yeah, I did that. Like, I want to say it was like... That at least three years ago, I got like 50 million views. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh. The nerd trend really went off a few years ago and I never did. And I was always bummed. I never did it. But I just, yesterday I did nerd. I saw on your Instagram. Uh, yeah. People love it. I've done two nerd videos. One of them has 50 mil and the other has like 20 mil. Dang, and then on, fight, on Facebook, it's even more. And I don't know. I just, I, so for some reason, when I'm dressed up as a nerd, I can do anything. I just went off. Like I couldn't miss a single shot. I was just balling. <laughs> <laughs> That's dope, man. Yeah, That's- yeah. So who are the, who are some of like, uh, the celebrities and people that you've worked with over the years? Like who, who have you enjoyed working with the most? I mean, of course you can't, you probably got a long list, but who are a few people that come to mind that, you know, when this is all said and done, you can look back on and be like, wow, that person was awesome. Man, I'll be honest, when it comes to YouTube, I hadn't worked with a whole lot of celebrities, believe it or not. Uh, James Harden was super cool. Um, for an NBA Live promo, he let me show him a move, one of my signature moves, and then he, like, tried it or whatever. So I thought that was really cool. That was, like, a banger bit. That's sick. Um, I'm trying to think celebrities who else I worked with. Oh, uh, Jamal Crawford was in one of my videos. He's always yep, super cool. I saw that. Um. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I met a lot of celebrities, but as far as like working, working with yeah, no, even just meeting anybody doesn't have to be through YouTube. Oh, uh, think, 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 think. I'm trying to think who else. I feel like I'm blanking right now. It's probably somebody. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. I but I would say the James Harden one stuck out of my head. He was like, okay, oh, you know, what yeah. I mean? He seems like a super like laid back dude. He was, he was. And I appreciate the humility because a lot of times, you know, when you're a young athlete at that age, you know, you're not, you're not take, you don't have as much humility. You know what I'm saying? You're not as down to earth, but, uh, but he, he was cool people, you know? So yeah. I started that. Tell me what it was like going to, uh, going to prison. Cause that's one of my favorite videos when you went to the, uh, the prison yard and played basketball. Oh man, that was a trip. Uh, I had no idea what to expect. <clears throat> I would dude, be nervous. <laughs> yeah. Dude who produced and directed it <clears throat> wanted to do a documentary on me. So I was like, cool, let's do it. Cause this guy's a beast. He, he had, he had, his name's Jay Lyons. He, he worked for a whole bunch of networks. Uh, you know, he's done stuff for MTV. Remember that show MTV made for any of the viewers yep. listening. Yep. Now, that was like his show. Okay. So he did, uh, my, was it my 600 pound life? 500 pound. Yep. I can't remember. Oh. He's he's done a bunch of stuff. Dude's work was awesome. So I'm like, yeah, we can do the doc. Absolutely. So that's been in process. But along the way, he asked me as a favor. Um, We actually met through uh, this church, like this sports ministry. And so so we're both Christian. His wife uh, actually had his son in one of my camps or something that I was running. So that's how we kind of met. And so he asked me 
as ministry opportunity, would you want to go tell your life stories to prisoners? And he said, I think at one of the prisons we can get clearance to play ball. We might be able to make a hot video. And in my mind, when corporate, like some people are like too corporate, don't really know how to make a vlog or make like a YouTube video right, bank. Right. So I honestly didn't think the video was going to do anything. I was like, yeah, I was like, you know what? That could be impactful. I said, let's do it. You know what I mean? This would be a good experience. I think it can be impactful. So I did it just off that. We didn't get paid or nothing. So we go up there and it was cool. I got to tell like my life story, like three different prisons and I didn't know how they embrace it, but they embraced it and it was great. And then we got clearance to play ball at one of the prisons. And then um, everybody was super cool. You forget those guys are just people that made mistakes. You know what I mean? And like when you sit in a cell all day, any form of enjoyment you can get is like awesome. So they, they were hyped. Like it was totally different energy than I had to assume. I mean, some people were hostile, don't get me wrong. And some people wanted nothing to do with it. And they played rough basketball, but end of the day, it was a good time. And uh, so glad that I went and did that, you know? Yeah, no, that that's an awesome video. Just seeing their faces light up and yeah, man, I, I, I can imagine that that made a lot of people's weeks and months having you there. So that was really cool to see. Uh, what's something that you want people to know about you outside of basketball? Outside of basketball, what up? <laughs> You're like, what is my, basketball is my life, man? What are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's, it's not even that. It's just that, like, I'm trying to think what I would actually want them to know about me. Um, I don't know if I would even care. Actually, you know what? Um, maybe that my whole purpose is more rooted in impacting people. I think a lot of people think that. I just make like some people don't even know about being an influencer, right? You think I volunteer and make videos. They think like I just when I play, I just happen to film it and throw it. It's like, okay. So I maybe that maybe that the root of everything I do is really about impacting and inspiring people. I think I think I think if people really knew that and they could kind of see it play out uh the way I see it, then they might view it a little bit different because you know how it is on digital. People see like two videos and want to judge your whole life or like your whole yeah. get down. You know what I mean? Because we have fed so much media these days. It's like nobody can keep track of your whole narrative unless they're like really supporters, like hardcore supporters. So, so yeah, maybe that, I don't know. Right on, man. And uh, my last question is what are your plans for the future? Like, you know, what, what is the, you know, what do you, what's the next step after, after YouTube, where do you plan to take things? Well, my hope is that YouTube doesn't end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, I, you know, that my hope is because like when people kind of ask me that, I feel like with social media and the Internet, like could the Internet end in theory? Like it could, but it doesn't look like at least not yeah, in the probably next, not at least not in the next 10 to 20 years. Right. We'd have to have some sort of economy, world collapse, war, you know, something drastic would have to end that whole thing. So um, my, I tend to tell people I'm just trying to brand build like if I'm done playing ball then I would want to make different content. You know what I mean? So um, there's that, but then also like acting, like I've done acting off and on my entire career. So I want to go further into that. So I'm working on a few projects in that regard. So that could be a different area per se, but you know, there's b-ball training. I dabble in that my whole career, starting an online program. If listeners want to go to uh, get their handles up, go to crossover5.com. You can sign up. I'm actually launching uh, this month. It was April now, right? Yeah. April 1st, man. We're going to launch at some point, probably late this month. And um, yeah, so I, I try to like keep the door open in a number of different areas so that like if one 
one door closes, we can go the other way. So awesome. Next step is to get to Big Dogs TV's level. You know what I'm saying? Seven, <laughs> 5 million subs. We got to we got to step our game up. Uh, you're not far out, man. Thank you so much for coming on, Grace, and I appreciate it. Where can uh, where can all the people find you? Absolutely, man. Check me out on YouTube at Professor Live, uh, Instagram, and TikTok at the Professor. Right on, man. Hey, great, great talking to you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Wish you nothing but the best, and uh, let the journey continue. Hey, appreciate that, man. We gotta get that collab in, man. Oh, I'm more than down for that. I'm more than hey, down. Nerds all together. Yes, if you got any concepts, man, let me know, man. Hey. I, and on my, we could like play ball together. We could do whatever. So maybe you know, yeah. What would be hot for us? We did like some mini prank, and then we went and played two v two or something like that. That'd be you know? sick, man. I'd be down for that. Okay, well, we can talk about it. All right, man. Hey, all stay right. in touch. All right, have a good one. Bye. Peace. 